in our study continuing on the character of God. Just for a few moments tonight, I want us to think again along those lines. We have looked at who Jesus is to totally understand who God is and who God is to totally understand who Jesus is. Uh, We have looked at those things and compared the attributes, and we know the Godhead is three, one and all, uh, as we've studied that in times past. We've looked uh, last week, if you remember, the character of God and about Him being holy. He is holy. Uh, And that He, uh, our holiness is based upon His holiness. And we talked about that attribute and that character of God last week. And we move down into our series on the thought and the topic tonight. He is omnipresent. We've heard that. I don't know about you, but I've heard those words all through my life growing up. Uh, Hearing sermons on them and those things and I was taught that as a young age that God is everywhere. God knows all things. He's in control of all things. But putting these words to those things really help an individual really understand more about God and the character of God. Rather than just He is the God of all gods or He's the Creator Uh, rather than just the general things that we normally know and say about God. So tonight I want us to look at He is omnipresent for just a few moments, and then we may move on into another topic as well, if time should allow. The word omnipresent means, (coughs) simply, God is everywhere. Think about that. God is everywhere. I can remember, as I've told you many times before, as a young man, a little boy, and my parents and my grandparents would say, God can see you everywhere. And I can vividly remember asking, even in the dark, even in the closet? And of course, the answer was yes. Young people, smaller children, even some old, God is everywhere. He can be everywhere. Unlike us, we can't. How many times have we said, Boy, I wish I could clone myself? Or, boy, I wish I could be in two places at one time. Well, nobody's been able to do that yet. Um, But God is everywhere. Because of our limited perception of everything as humans, you and I have a difficult time comprehending this, really. Now, we can comprehend the words, God is everywhere, and and say, well, everywhere means what? Everywhere. But in our minute minds, if you will, in our limited ability to perceive things and truly, truly understand, 
we have a difficult time comprehending this thing. But God sees everything and everywhere. Where light or dark is, God is there. So wherever something would forbid light to go, it would be what? Dark. Guess what? God's there. No barriers on God. High or low? To the highest point of creation and the lowest point, God is there. Inside and out, God is there. So we can be safe to say tonight, that God is what? Everywhere. Sometimes, again, people have a hard time comprehending that. People, a lot of times, choose to live their lives as if God doesn't see what they do. Do you think about mankind and even in our own selves? If we ever done anything evil or we knew that was wrong, young people, you know when you do something wrong, what do you normally do? You try to hide, don't you? You try to hide it from your parents or you hide it from your teachers. When you know that there are rules that are being broken or something that you shouldn't be doing or be participating in or even be in a place that you shouldn't be or talking or doing or whatever the case may be, we either try to hide it under the cover of darkness. That's why thieves generally, well, nowadays they're breaking ball daylight pretty much, but generally they would, under the cover of darkness is when evil would come or when thieves would come, wouldn't it? Why do we try to hide those things? Because we know there's a rule. We know that there is a principle laid down by our parents or by our God that we are breaking. So therefore, we try to hide it. <coughs> but think about it. Is it truly possible to hide from God? No, it's not. You may hide it, and we as adults may hide it from our spouse. We may hide it from the preacher. We may hide it from the elders. We may hide it from our children. Or we may hide it from our parents. But you can't hide from God. It's that simple. But now people often live their lives like they can. Or maybe they have come to a point that they don't care that God knows those things. Notice with me again in our scripture reading in 139 of Psalms, verse 7 through 12. Notice how David acknowledges God's existence. Let's read it again. 
Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, or Sheol, behold, thou art there, high and low. If I take thy wings of the morning and dwell in the other most parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, or even the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. See, David acknowledges in this passage in clear terms that there is no Let me say that again. There is no place where one can hide from God. And we need to instill that in ourselves and also our children. And along with that concept, we need to understand young people, no matter where you go, God can see what you do. Here's what you say. God is everywhere. Consider the book of Jonah. We know the story well, don't we? God gave him a command, gave him a directive to go to Tarshish. Jonah didn't choose to do that, did he? Go to Nineveh, rather. Jonah told him to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to go. So he said, well, I'll just take and hide from God. I'll go board a ship to Tarshish, uh, which was the, the opposite direction that God had told him to go. Basically, Jonah was saying, I'll hide from God. I'll get in the bottom of this ship and I'll hide from God and he won't know where I'm at. And I won't have to do what God told me to do. But we know Jonah couldn't even hide from God on a ship, could he? We can, we learn from this that we can never hide from God. We can never, never hide. It's that simple, simple terms. Go to the book of Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 8 Chapter 8, we find the Lord carrying Ezekiel from Babylon to Jerusalem to show him something where he is told to dig into the wall. Now notice what he finds. Ezekiel chapter 8 and verses 7 and 8. This is a vision from Ezekiel. He says, And he brought me to the door of the court 
And when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then he said unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. And notice, go on with me in verse 9. He said unto me, Go in, and behold, the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in, and I saw, and behold, every form of creeping thing, and abominable beast, and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall around about. And he goes on to describe that sinful scene. But in Ezekiel 8, we find the Lord carrying Ezekiel from Babylon to Jerusalem, where he's told to dig into the wall, and inside he finds that the elders of Israel are committing idolatrous deeds. You know, maybe those, even in that time, they said, well, maybe God can't see us. We're behind the walls. Again, no matter what, how thick the walls, how tall the walls, God is there. If you go into the book of, of Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 3, rather 23, excuse me. Jeremiah chapter 23, and let's read that together, verses 23 and 24. Notice this scene. Am I God at hand? Saith the Lord, and not a God afar off. Can any hide himself in secret places that I should not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I feel heaven and earth, saith the Lord? And he goes on to talk about how he's heard the prophets and how the hearts of the prophets are. These couple of passages in Ezekiel and again in Jeremiah 23 suggest and tell us that God, the Bible tells us that again God is everywhere. He says he fills the heavens and the earth everywhere. Now go to your New Testaments in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13. And notice what the Bible says to us. A very familiar passage to you. But it just reiterates our thought tonight of God, the omnipresence of God being everywhere. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 13 Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, shown, if you will, in his sight. But all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Even Hebrews in the New Testament, the Hebrew writer shows us that there's nothing hidden from his sight. Now you know when parents, when you take this concept and you teach your children from a young age 
that they can't hide from God. And then you teach them that you don't want to disappoint God. That you always want to please God. You don't want to do bad things because it, it makes God sad. You know, there's nothing wrong with saying that. I know Amanda and I, we use that terminology in our home. Number one, you've disappointed God. But number two, you've disappointed we as your parents. You know, there's nothing wrong, parents, with your children experiencing shame. Because you know what? We live in a world today that has no shame. You know why? Because they've never experienced it. I've said many times from this pulpit, I still see that giant finger. I don't know what it was about the finger. From my grandmother and my mother, shame, shame, shame. I don't know what it was. I don't know what that meant. Shame. I don't know if they spraying me. I don't know what they doing. Shame, shame, shame. I can remember that. I'm 50. I'll be 53 next month. I still remember that finger. I don't know what the significance of that was. But I knew that I had done something wrong and I, I had disappointed them. I had shamed them. And there's nothing wrong for we as parents to say to our children, we have a good name. And you protect that name. Number one, the name of Christian. But number two, our physical family name. You see, that's one thing we've lost in our society as well. The ability to have a good name. A good name used to mean something, didn't it? But a lot of our young people are not protecting the family name. You know, used to a lot of your, your, your uh, family's names meant something, and, and they still do in this county. Some more prevalent than others, depending on what business they were in or, or uh, what they did in the Lord's church or whatever the case may be, education, whatever. But they had a good name. And there's nothing wrong with we as parents, and especially we fathers, to teach our young men and even our mamas to teach our young ladies, you protect that name. Your actions and the things you say and do are a reflection upon our name. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need to challenge our young people to protect that name. The name means something. Number one, again, the name Christian. And if you protect that name, guess what? You'll protect the physical name attached to your family. But there's no creature hidden from his sight. All things are naked and open to his eyes. Notice that last part. Of him to whom we must give an account. Now, that's, this is the, the climax, if you will. <clears throat> because what we need to understand young and old that one day we will give an account to God even those things that are done in secret young people those text messages 
those pictures, those things that go about on social media and on the phones, guess what? God knows about it. And you will give an account one day unless those things are repented of. God will specifically ask you about those things. Those things that you've done under, that are unrepented of that nobody knows, you will give an account for. What does he say? Every idle word, everything you speak, you will give an account for unless it's unrepented of. If it's unrepented of, God forgets it. But God knows everything about every person. And it says right there in the book of Hebrews, to whom we must give an account. We need to understand that one day everything that we do, we will take ownership of it. Everything that you've got away with that you didn't get caught and you hadn't repented of, guess what? God's going to bring it into judgment. So you see, that's where we have to take this concept with our young people. And adults as well. But because of all of this, we can know for sure tonight when we have repented of those things and that God is everywhere, that he hears our prayers when we offer them. We also know that we cannot hide from him ever. Never can you hide from him. But also in this, we ought to find comfort. One says, well, uh, what I want to tell you the... the, the uh, Attitude that some have today, even with God. God has no business being in my business. Some people have that attitude. Some people look at the elders and at the minister and, and friends and family. They have no business sticking their nose in my business. Well, you know why we stick our nose? Because we care for you and we love you. You have a soul. And we care about your soul. We care about what you're living, how you're living, and, and maybe what you're not doing. And, and let us encourage you to, to, to come back to the Lord. But in a lot of our society today, especially our younger generations, they have been developed and, and conditioned. You have no business in my business. That's me. Well, guess what? God has business in everybody's business. You know why? Because he created you. He created you, and he's going to be with you forever. When you go to Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, notice what he says there. <coughs> I, after the, the Great Commission here, when he goes on, let's just read the 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All the power or authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and, and teach 
making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things in which I have commanded you. And lo, what? I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. You see, we need to find comfort. One might say, well, I don't want them all in my business. God has, that's his business. That's what he does. He's in our business. And we should find comfort that in God saying that he would be with us always. Remembering that promise of our Lord to his disciples in Matthew 28 and 20. Lo, I am with you always. Always. That's comforting. That's good to us. Should be. I've often told the story about a 300 and something pound young man played ball with. He's a uh, black guy. And we all would sit in class and we would complain about the curfew that our parents would put on us. You had to be home by a certain amount at a certain time. We'd complain. We'd say, ah, my parents are always on me. They always want to know where I'm at. Always wanting to know, give me a time. I got to be home by a certain time. If I'm not, I'm in trouble. We just complaining, complaining, complaining. Like kids do. Wasn't mature enough to understand why our parents did those things. But I'll never forget him with tears in his eyes. He didn't have a very good life. I thought I had it bad. He had it a lot worse. But I'll never forget him saying, 300-something pound robust, could run through a wall, could take on a semi-truck. With tears in his eyes, he said, I wish I had somebody who cared about me, who was in my business. Because I'm going to tell you, well, they say, you really don't realize what you have until it's gone. Can you imagine? I mean, right now, if a young person answered this question uh, that your parents would never know anything about you or give you any rules or anything, you'd say, wow, whoopee. I don't have any rules. I can go and come as, as I want to and stay out as late as I want to and go where I want to and do what I want to. And oh, I guess probably a lot of us say, man, that's the lie. Probably in the moment you would. But imagine if you had to live that every day and no one caring for you. There's a lot of our kids who do that. A lot of our young kids in elementary, they do that. It's sad. But they do that. They live that life. Our high school kids, they live that life. There's a lot of them, more than what you think. That would give anything if they had somebody to give them a curfew. 
but God is everywhere. God knows everything that you do. He sees it. He hears it. We're going to study more about the other character of God, the omniscience of God. But tonight we're looked at the omnipresence. He's everywhere. You can never go anywhere that God is not there, and he's always watching. Don't ever forget that. Your parents, your elders, your preachers may not see or know, but God knows. I told my children, and I'm sure you did too, when they were baptized, that yes, I would still discipline them, but the things you do now are between you and God. Yes, I will discipline you as your parent. I will guide you as your parent. But ultimately, at the end of time, you don't answer to me. You answer to God. Maybe tonight, you've been spurred to think about your condition tonight, where you are. Maybe you've said things, done things and in private, and, or maybe they hadn't been private. If it's private, you can take care of those things privately, but maybe you've done them publicly, and they need to be repented of publicly. We encourage you to do that. Maybe tonight you, need, you realize that, man, God seen me do that back when I was 16 and 17 and 18, and, and I'm a sinner. Tonight, you can have those sins removed through baptism. You've heard the word. You believe that Christ is the, the Son of God. All you need to do is repent. Confess his name before men, that public confession we read about in Ethiopian eunuch, Acts chapter 8. And be baptized for the remission of your sins. Mark 16 and 16 and Acts 2 and 38. And live faithful for the rest of your life. And live your daily lives accordingly as in the thought of that God is everywhere I'm at. Think that way. And it'll help you guide your thoughts. It'll help you guide your actions. So tonight, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand and as we sing.